tonight. At this global event, this universal stage, whose storied past is rivaled only by the promise of an even bigger future. Millions will watch from around the world, waiting, anticipating for that next breathtaking moment. The stage is set. The time is now. History is at hand. This is WrestleMania. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to WrestleMania Salvation. I am your host. My name is Sal. And we once again dive back into the WrestleMania archives. This time, we are deep in the heart of the Attitude Era. That's right. It is WrestleMania number 15. Coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, March 28th, 1999. From the First Union Center, better known today as the Wells Fargo Center. The listed attendance for this WrestleMania was 20,276 people. And the tagline for WrestleMania this year is, well, all hail the Attitude Era. It was called the Raging Climax. I can't make this stuff up if I tried. Now, this was a very diverse show. It was a heavily booked show. And it had its ups and it had its downs and everything in between. But before we get into all that, let's kick things off with some smooth 90s R&B. Philadelphia's own Boys to Men starts off the festivities with a wonderful, wonderful performance of America the Beautiful. And to be honest, it actually was quite good albeit five or six years past the height of their popularity, but that is typical WWE for you. Fireworks, a lot of fireworks go off as they wrap up the song, because back then wrestling was cool and exciting. We get another black and white opening video with Freddie Blassie doing a suicidal voiceover. I'm just saying, that shit was kind of depressing. But the show brings everybody back up with a huge fireworks display and the shots of our sold-out crowd. Now, I have been borrowing this little ditty from our friends over at the Raw Attitude Podcast, but because this is still the Attitude Era, I did want to take a moment just to acknowledge some of the noteworthy signs I've noticed in the crowd tonight, if I may. Drunk since 316. Nice. Al Snow is my hero. I don't believe that for a second. The corporate cheesesteak. That I like. I lost Sam, which sucks if you're Sam. Louisiana in this bitch. Yeah, you'll get a WrestleMania at some point. Butterbean is my dad. Mm, I feel bad for you. And finally, I give head. If you are a female holding that sign, and you are in Philadelphia in 1999, I feel bad for you. 
Now, if those signs aren't classic Attitude Era enough, then I don't know what is. Our commentators for the evening are, unfortunately, Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler. And I gotta tell you, if you don't enjoy Michael Cole as the play-by-play man for the WWE today, you will absolutely despise early Michael Cole. I promise you that. Nevertheless, Al Snow's music asks us, what does everybody want? As we kick off the night with our first match. Match number one, a triple threat hardcore match for the WWF Hardcore Championship. Champion Billy Gunn versus Hardcore Holly versus Al Snow. Just so you are aware, before we even get started, I want to let you know that all members of DX are involved in singles matches tonight. Which is a little bit weird, but we'll we'll go through this together. Now, I gotta say, it's a pretty good ovation for Mr. Ass Billy Gunn. Even though he has Mr. Ass on his trunks, he is still not yet morphed into that full Mr. Ass persona. That, that comes in a few months, and he's still coming out to the Outlaws theme song, uh, but that will change soon, too. I'm a nice man! Now, when you think of hardcore wrestling, the name Billy Gunn doesn't necessarily come to mind. But Billy Gunn defeated Hardcore Holly on Raw a few weeks back to win the Hardcore Championship and his first WWF singles title. Now, Billy attempts to cut a promo about Philly loving hardcore, but Al Snow attacks him. So, here we go. Holly, Snow, and Gunn all start off brawling for a while and then spill to the outside. Al Snow fires Billy into the steel steps and he goes flying up and over them. Nice sell job by Billy there. Hardcore Holly then suplexes Al Snow on the concrete. What a far, far cry this version of Bob Holly is compared to the bombastic Bob we got last year. He even cut his hair, so instead of looking like David Lee Roth, now he just looks like Slim Shady. Al Snow grabs a hockey stick from under the ring, to the delight of the Philadelphia crowd, and he beats the holy hell out of Bob Hawley and Billy Gunn as the crowd starts chanting, Let's Go Flyers! Al Al Snow then takes a plastic container full of soda from underneath the ring, soda and Gatorade, uh, and smashes it over Billy Gunn's back, much to Jerry Lawler's dismay, who complains that now he's got nothing to fucking drink. I don't blame him. I'd be kind of pissed, too. Uh, Billy Gunn then breaks the hockey stick over Holly's back, but not to be outdone, Al Snow breaks a broom over Billy's. Al Snow then beats the living shit out of both guys with the end of the broomstick before switching his weapon of choice to a good old-fashioned steel chair. Snow launches himself off the chair and into Billy in the corner, and a Sabu chant breaks out from the Philadelphia faithful. Al Snow gives head to Billy and Holly, yes, I went there, and then gets a table from under the ring. Al Snow sets it up in the corner and attempts to Irish rip Holly into it, but Holly blocks it, and then Billy Gunn Hits Hardcore Holly over the head with a steel chair so friggin' loud that it brings back memories of the way wrestling used to be. You know, before anybody really knew about CTE and all that stuff. 
Now, I'm glad it's safer for the boys now. I'm just saying that shit was a lot different 20 years ago. And uh, it's kind of the way I remember wrestling growing up. But, of course, safety's got to be first. I'm just saying that chair shot was vicious. Anyways, back to more violence. Gun throws Snow through the table and then hits him with a famous sir on the steel chair. He attempts the pin, but Holly breaks it up with his steel chair across Billy's spine. And then Holly covers Al Snow himself for the pin and the win. Your winner, and once again, your hardcore champion, Hardcore Holly. But I gotta say, that ending kind of sucked after was after what was a decent match. You know, Holly didn't even do another move to Al Snow. He just pinned him off of the Famouser. Mm, kind of lame. You could have... You know, gave him an Alabama slam on a chair or something. I'm all for Al Snow getting beat up more, personally. But that's just me. Next, we get highlights from Sunday Night Heat, which is doubling as the kickoff show for WrestleMania these days. Uh, It looks like this year they kept the traditional tag team battle royal off the main show. Thank you. And Test and D'Lo, there's a fucking team for you, uh, won the Battle Royal and won a title shot against Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett later tonight. Good for them. I guess, uh, reality, I guess Mark Henry was injured, so that explains test, kind of? We go to the ring for our next match, and it is the aforementioned WWF Tag Team Championships. Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett defending against Test and D'Lo Brown. Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett accompanied by Deborah who comes out wearing nothing but a thong bikini that's slightly being covered by an open suit jacket, and D'Lo and Test accompanied by Ivory, because Ivory showed up in the WWF and was kind of managing D'Lo and Mark Henry. Kinda. Now, Michael Cole tries to explain how Jared and Owen won the tag titles from the corporation a couple months ago, but Lawler completely fucks all that up as he just wants to stare at Deborah. And, and shout out, Yahoo! And all types of other stuff. Now, both D'Lo and Tess are still kind of green, and it shows early in this match. Uh, Tess tries to clothesline o- Owen over the top rope, but fucks it up so that Owen has to roll the outside instead. Jared and Owen then beat up D'Lo for a while before D'Lo starts making a comeback. Deborah tries to distract D'Lo by getting on the apron, but Ivory pulls her down. They jar at each other for a few moments, which of course causes the ref to be more focused on them than what's going on in the ring. D'Lo goes for a low blow, but Owen nails him with a missile dropkick, which allows Jeff Jarrett to bridge over and pin D'Lo for the win. Your winners. And still, tag team champions... Owen Hart, and Jeff Jarrett. Now, at this point, we notice that Terry Terry Reynolds and Jacqueline have made their way to ringside, and they're jarring at Ivory because they are PMS, and they're always in a mood, so to speak. Hey, I'm just... I'm just going by what what they're telling me as the WWF at the time. That's not my personal opinion. Uh, Test and D'Lo argue, and then they start fighting, and the entire segment uh, matches 
entrances, post-match. This entire thing lasted five minutes. It was overbooked to hell. And I'm sure if we're talking about things being overbooked in the Attitude Era, you can blame that stupid friggin' New Yorker for that, bro. And speaking of things I'm going to blame him for, we get a video package of Bart Gunn winning the Brawl for All tournament. Seven fucking months ago. They did absolutely all fuck nothing with Bart Gunn after he won the tournament. But yet still decided to try to get something out of it. And try to salvage something out of it. They put Bart Gunn in a quote-unquote brawl for all match at WrestleMania against professional fighter Butterball. And guess what happened? Butterbitch knocks out Bart Gunn in 34 seconds. I'm not even going to waste time recapping it because it's exactly as bad as it sounds. Although, I will say, the WWF replaying Bart Gunn's head snapping back when Butterbean knocked him cold is rather amusing because they did it like five times. Oh, look at this! Look at Bart Gunn getting the shit kicked out of him! And you know Vince was just back there laughing his ass off. Now, moving on to actual wrestling? Nope, I guess not. All of a sudden, the San Diego Chicken runs down to the ring and tries to pick a fight with the guest referee for that match. Forgive me for not letting you guys know who the guest referee was. The match was 34 seconds, so it's not like I really got a good look at the referee. But apparently, it was Vinny Pezienza. Uh, Even though the San Diego Chicken tries to pick a fight with Vinny, Vinny hits him with one uppercut and knocks his ass down. Funny thing is, that's not even the worst thing that's going to happen to the San Diego Chicken tonight, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We go to highlights from Sunday Night Heat yet again as the big show Paul White, back when he had a first and last name to accompany his moniker, is shown attacking Mankind in the garage area. Mankind is then shown interviewed by Kevin Kelly, Mankind said he's taken everything the corporation has thrown at him, and Big Show better be ready for a fight against an angry young man. And he should try, try, try really hard to have a nice day. Match number three. The debut, the WrestleMania debut of Paul White, formerly known as WCW's Giant, now known as The Big Show. He will be squaring off against Mankind, and the winner of this match will be the special guest referee for the WWF title match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Side note, Paul White is massive at this point. He's not the... Skinny giant that debuted in WCW 1995. No, 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 no. He's got to be pushing like 550, 560. He's just got a lot of friggin' girth on him, I guess you could call it. But I gotta tell ya, I'm already upset at how they're booking him. I mean, this guy should have been brought in as, you know, for lack of a better term, the second coming of Andre. And instead, one month into his WWF career, 
Instead of booking him as an unstoppable juggernaut, Vince seems determined to make him look like a big fucking dumbass. It, it's kind of uh, par for the course at this point, of when you came from WCW, they were going to break you in? They were going to haze you a little bit? I... I don't get it. Like, it's not the Big Show's fault that he was so over in WCW. And if he was so over that you decided to offer him a contract, why you would book him like shit just to rub it in WCW's face? Never made sense to me. I mean, but they did it with Vader. They did it with Big Show. And for at least a year, they did it with Jericho, too. But nevertheless, we start off the match, Big Show and Mankind, brawling like all hell. Which... Hey, Mankind's over. Former, at this point, three-time WWF champion, or two-time WWF champion, whatever it was. Uh, his battles with The Rock past two months uh, have been epic. And the crowd loves Mankind. Shame he's not in the title match as an actual competitor. But he does have the chance to be in the main event pitcher as the referee. Now, right off the bat, he tries to hook the mandible claw on Big Show. But Big Show is just too big, just punches his way out of it. Mankind goes for it again, but gets the same result. He goes for it a third time and angles himself in a way that behind the referee's view kicks Big Show in the nuts as he applies the mandible claw, which I thought was hilarious because Big Show actually does go down to one knee. Fortunately for Mankind, one knee is as far as he's going to get Big Show before he eventually tosses himself backwards onto the mat to break the hold. And Dam almost breaks Mankind in half doing so. Now, Big Show then tosses Mankind to the outside and hits him with a chair. And Earl Hebner, who sees this, doesn't disqualify him. He hits him again in front of Earl Hebner. In fact, Hebner is yelling at him while he's doing this. And Earl still doesn't disqualify him. Start to lose your credibility, Earl. This wasn't a no-DQ match. However, Earl just barely escapes referee limbo. As Big Show brings in two chairs to the ring, sets them up, and threatens to chokeslam Mankind through both of them. To which Hebner warns him, don't fucking do it. Big Show does it anyway. And Earl calls for the bell. So, hey. WrestleMania, I gotcha. We'll allow one chair shot. Okay, you fucking asshole, we'll allow two. Hey, if you're gonna choke slam him through two chairs, I'm gonna fucking DQ you, alright? Enough is enough. It's time for a change. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck was the difference between the first chair shot and the, and the choke slam? I, I mean, I guess because Earl warned him, like, hey man, you better... Sorry, let me do my Earl Hebner voice. Now, y'all better stop with that chair now, you hear? Or I'm gonna disqualify you. Your winner by DQ, Mankind, although you'd never know it, because they have to stretcher him out. As bad as a beating as Mankind looks like he's been through, it gets worse. Because Big Show then just starts laying into him with the steel chair. After about seven or eight steel chair shots, eventually Vince McMahon walks out. Uh, and he looks pretty pissed off. Not because Big Show's beating up Mankind. But Vince explains he's pissed that Big Show got himself disqualified. 
He's screaming at him repeatedly, like, what are you, an idiot? What are you, stupid? Look what you did. Da-da-da-da. And he keeps yelling at Big Show, who, again, is massive at this point. So Big Show finally gets pissed and grabs Vince by the throat. And the crowd pops huge. However, Big Show regains his composure and lets Vince go. Vince, finally able to breathe after about a minute, regains his composure and starts laying into the Big Show even worse saying, you're a nobody, and I'm Vince McMahon, damn it! And actually slaps Big Show across the face. To which, Show responds by knocking him out fucking cold with a right hand. Pretty impressive, considering that was ten years before that would become his finishing move. However, speaking of booking Big Show like shit, the Stooges come out and help Vince walk to the back, Probably 30 seconds after the punch. I'm sorry. I can suspend my disbelief pretty good when it comes to wrestling, but if you're the big show and you punch, at the time, 55-year-old Vince McMahon in the face, shouldn't he be, like, dead-dead? I'm just saying. He is a giant. Yeah, instead of being dead-dead, though, we go backstage where Vince is conscious. He is sitting on one of those, you know, backstage trunks uh, while the Stooges clamor around him. And he demands a phone so he can call the police because he wants that, and I quote, big, dumb, son of a bitch arrested for assault right now. So apparently, Big Show's going to jail tonight. But before I can try to figure out what, what all went wrong for Paul White in the WWF, The Outlaws music hits, and it's time for our next contest. Match number four, WWF Intercontinental title match. Four corners elimination match, so different than a fatal four-way, as in, you know, uh, it's not one fall to a finish, it's, it's an actual elimination. You have your Intercontinental champion, the Road Dog? Say what? Versus Ken Shamrock versus Val Venus versus Goldust with Ryan Shamrock and the Blue Meanie. Road Dog is over as fuck, by the way. As much as I bet at this point in time, I can almost guarantee you the brass probably wish it was Billy Gunn getting those reactions instead. But that's another story for another year. Now, please don't ask me to explain why Goldust is accompanying or is accompanied by Ryan Shamrock and the Blue Meanie at this point in his career because if I try I'll probably get a brain tumor it's not a tumor also Ken Shamrock is fighting for the intercontinental title for the second year in a row at Wrestlemania some people really are just mid card for life Shamrock and Road Dog start things off And the way the rules have been laid out to us is that you have to tag in and out to be legal. And the only two people in the... And there can only be two people in the ring at a time. And it is... We'll call it hinted at that eliminations occur by pinfall submission. That's what we'll say Michael Cole said. It was was kind of implied. 
Now, this match is what it is. It's a lot of clunky, confusing, fast-paced action. Uh, but to make things more confusing, the camera keeps cutting to the Blue Meanie uh, arguing with Ryan Shamrock. Because I guess he's jealous of the attention Goldust gives her. So I feel my head starting to hurt. Val Venus and Ken Shamrock get counted out while fighting in the entranceway. So fuck me, I guess. I guess there's countouts too, which, sure. We just went from a fatal four-way elimination match to a one-on-one match in about 30 seconds. That's the attitude, Ara. Now, Shamrock gets pissed that he gets counted out, so he slides into the ring and, uh-oh, he's gonna snap again, and he nails both Road Dog and Goldust with belly-to-belly suplexes. But then he leaves. Bye, Kenny! Goldust goes off the rope, and Ryan Shamrock almost trips him, because I guess she was attempting to trip Road Dog. This, of course, causes uh, Blue Meanie to scream at Ryan Shamrock. Goldust screams at Ryan Shamrock. Goldust is distracted, so here comes Road Dog, and Road Dog's gonna run at him, but Goldust catches him with a power slam, but the momentum pushes Road Dog over and he pins Goldust. So. I guess he reversed the power slam into a pinfall? I know it sounds much simpler than I'm making it out to be, but if you watch it, it was like, wait, what? I don't understand. Uh, your winner, and still the Intercontinental Champion, the Road Dog. That was a convoluted piece of garbage. After the match, Goldust and Meanie verbally abused Ryan Shamrock, and she storms off to the back, her and all of her horrible acting skills. We cut to the backstage area where Big Show is being arrested. And I'm not sure why he isn't put into the back of a standard police cruiser. You know, maybe something nice on the side, like Philadelphia Police Department or something like that. Uh, But for some reason, they put him in the back of a dark red undercover sedan. And I'm like, who the fuck arrested him? The fucking FBI? Uh, It's just weird. We get some backstory for our next match involving Triple H and Kane. No, 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 no. This isn't about Katie Vick. We're still a couple years removed from that nightmare. This feud between Kane and Triple H was slightly better than that, but I'll let Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler explain it to you better. And I'll tell you what, this just isn't a physical rivalry. It's an emotional one. China turning her back on DX and Triple H, her longtime companion, forming a bond with Kane. But folks, three weeks ago, a fireball meant for Triple H, blasting China, causing damage to her retina and her eye. And then we saw a side of Kane we had never witnessed before. I mean, he showed compassion. He showed emotion for China. And then last week, Triple H came out dressed as gold dust. He took out a flamethrower, blasted Kane, who suffered superficial burns to the exposed areas of his skin. Match number five, the big red machine Kane versus Triple H. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I think they were still calling him Hunter Hearst Helmsley at this point. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he just went by initials at this point. No, 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 no. He was still Hunter Hurts Helmsley. Because uh, a year from now, we do the McMahon-Helmsley regime. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. So, as Kane makes his way to the ring, here comes the damn San Diego chicken again. 
He tries to attack Kane from behind. Kane easily overpowers him and pulls off his costume head to reveal... That may be Helmsley in another disguise! Maybe Triple H again! Ambush and Kane! Is it... Kane! Kane, that... Wait a minute! That... Kane, that... That's Pete Rose! No, it can't be! That's Pete Rose! Pete, not again! Kane, you remember last year at WrestleMania? Pete Rose suffered a tombstone at the hands of Kane! Not And Pete Rose gets tombstoned again. <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, that actually is pretty funny. <laughs> All right, Degeneration X's music hits, but as we anticipate the arrival of Triple H, he comes up from behind Kane to attack him and immediately hits him with a low blow before the bell. Nicely done, Hunter, nicely done. Uh, Kane, however, doesn't even go down. Uh, even after Triple H continues to beat on him, Kane stays on his feet. Triple H finally launches Kane outside the ring and into the steel steps. And I'm really starting to see that sadistic side of Triple H that would become such a staple of his repertoire later on in his career. Uh, surprising for a guy who's supposed to be playing a babyface, actually. Hmm... They continue to brawl in and out of the ring. At one point, Kane takes a page out of his brother's book and nails Triple H with a running dive over the top rope. Pretty impressive for the 350-pounder. After some more brawling back and forth in the ring, China decides to make her way down to the ring. Now, China slides the steel steps into the ring behind the ref's back. He literally, like, turned around and was like, whoa, steps? I mean, I get it. We're, we're in Philadelphia in 1999, but even John Finnegan and ECW had more credibility. <laughs> Kane picks up the steel steps and tries to run them into Triple H's face, but Triple H blocks it, and then he drops Kane with a drop toehold, to which Kane nails his face off the stairs. The ref then gets rid of the steps, good job ref, and Triple H clotheslines Kane over the top rope. Triple H goes after him and attempts to pedigree him on the remaining stairs on the corner of the ring, but Kane reverses it and backdrops him onto the floor from about 10 feet in the air. Ouch. Back in the ring, Kane nails Triple H with a choke slam, and this prompts China to jump onto the ring apron with the chair. She tells Kane, let me finish him off, and climbs in the ring, assumingly to put the exclamation point on Kane's victory. Oh, she's going to put an exclamation point on Kane's victory, all right. Because she nails Kane across the back with a chair. And Kane instantly gets the win via disqualification. Your winner is Kane. However, Kane is stunned and heartbroken. Well, at least that's what we're told. I mean, it's not like the mask he's wearing made a crying emoji face or something. But as Kane ponders why, China, why, Triple H then nails Kane repeatedly with the chair and finally hits him with a pedigree on the chair. 
Crowd goes absolutely nuts for this, by the way, as China jumped into Triple H's arms to celebrate. It appears China has turned her back on the corporation, but we'll leave it be for now. And I'll let Triple H explain his actions a little later. Backstage again, and Kevin Kelly is wondering what, who will be the special guest referee if Big Show has been arrested and Mankind is at a local hospital. As he's wondering this, magically Vince McMahon wanders into the shot, to which Kevin Kelly asks, Hey, hey, Mr. McMahon, what, what, what's going to happen with the special referee? And Vince says that he has, uh, he has a referee shirt in his bag. One with the sleeves cut off, of course. And then says that, I will be tonight's special referee. In a, the sadistic Vince voice, which I thought was a nice touch. <laughs> we go back to Howard Finkel. For match number six, the WWF Women's Championship. As Sable defends her title against Tori. Fortunately, no... Not Tori Wilson, but Tori the Sadistic Stalker? I guess that was her gimmick? Her gimmick was a fan who was obsessed with Sable. But somehow Tori was the baby face, I guess. Sable comes down to the ring, and she decides to give us this little line. This is for all the women who want to be me, and for the men who come to see me. I'm sorry, Brock, but her voice would make me want to throw things. And not like suplexes, but more like rocks. At her. Tori comes out with the most obvious dubbed-over music in WWE Network history. Now, Sable starts off the match throwing some yes kicks. Worse than Miz, mind you. But then Sable almost kills herself and breaks her own neck. She attempts a crossbody off the apron to Tori on the floor, but overshoots it and jumps over Tori and comes within inches of landing on the top of her head, but Tori, like, corrected midair and kind of caught her, so at least it lessened her fall a little bit. <sighs> That's what happens when you have someone do a spot like that who doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Uh, not that Tori was any better at this point. I mean, she's way too green for this type of spot on the card and her working punches tonight look like absolute shit now i don't know about i don't know much about her history before wwf so maybe for all i know she wrestled for 10 years at some other promotion but i'll tell you she didn't look it she looked pretty fucking green here's the thing so the in-ring product in this match continues to get worse and worse. Uh, Tori accidentally hits the ref with a flying crossbody. And then Sable goes for a Sable bomb. But both girls fuck it up. And the crowd rises to their feet with booze. You are putting two girls who can't wrestle in front of the Philly crowd in 1999. What are you doing? Uh, like enough is enough with this shit. And uh, just as it seems as Philly has had enough, all of a sudden Nicole Bass is shown at ringside. Now, Nicole Bass is a very physical, imposing force. And she comes into the ring and she gorilla press slams Tori. And then 
tells Sable to finish her off, and then Sable finally correctly hits Tori with a Sable bomb. Nicole Bass throws the ref back in the ring, and the ref counts to three. Your winner, and still women's champion, Sable. Sable then dances over Tori's prawn body to celebrate the win. I'm glad we've entered into this part of women's wrestling in the WWF. I think I only got three or four more WrestleManias before we get to Trish. At least I'm hoping it's only like three or four. Anyway, back to the backstage. And we get a shot of all of DX getting ready for X-Pac's European title match against the corporate prince himself, Shane McMahon. Now, here is the time why I let Triple H tell you his version of tonight's events and explain his actions from earlier. I'll tell you what, China's come home, and DX is one big house again, stronger than it's ever been. Shane, I don't care if you're the boss's son, you better bring everything you got tonight, because X-Pac is handing you your shiny corporate ass. So it seems that once again, DX is whole, and they are ready to take on the world and set the WWF on fire. Well, let's see how long this little reunion lasts, shall we? Match number seven, European Championship, as champion Shane McMahon, accompanied by Big Test, versus X-Pac. Now, we start off this match with one of the most iconic debuts in WrestleMania history. That's right. Tonight is the WrestleMania debut of the No Chance in Hell theme song. Not sure why Vince didn't come out to it earlier, but it's still fitting, even for the corporate prince. Shane makes his way down to the aisle. He has a DX jersey on, an X-Pac DX jersey on, mind you, and he's covered up the word Pac with punk, which I think is funny. Also, Shane is, a, is sporting the giant seven-foot bodyguard test in his repertoire tonight. Surely, that's all the advantage Shane is going to need, right? Well, apparently not, because as, as X-Pac makes his entrance, he's jumped by the Stooges, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. I'm not making this shit up. Um, the Stooges get, like, three punches and kicks in before X-Pac fights them off pretty easily. So, that was kind of pointless. Shane then runs outside the ring so that, uh, X-Pac doesn't rip his head off. And then takes his time getting in the ring. Shane McMahon showing some heel characteristics far beyond his wrestling experience years. Now, once Shane does get in the ring, however... Xbox Xbox starts unloading on Shane. Goes for the Bronco Buster early, but Tess pulls Shane out of the corner. Xbox goes outside and goes after Shane and tosses him back into the ring. But before Xbox can get back in the ring, he's clocked from behind by Test. Test then crotches Xbox against the steel ring post. Although I like how Michael Cole described it. Oh boy, watch this! And Xbox. Oh! 
Tess then high-fives the Mean Street Posse, who is sitting in the front row like a bunch of frat boys at a Drake concert. X-Pac barely makes it back into the ring before the refs count to ten, and Shane unloads on X-Pac. Shane even attempts a corporate elbow, but of course he misses. However, he stops any momentum X-Pac was thinking of getting with another low blow. He then pulls a Hollywood Hogan and starts whipping X-Pac with Tess leather belts. Mike Kyoto warns Shane, but I think we all know he's not going to DQ the fucking boss's son. X-Pac creates some space by backdropping Shane over the top rope onto the floor. He then nails Shane with an over-the-top rope diving plancha before getting snatched up by the Mean Street Posse. I mean, like, literally, they just, like, reached over the guardrail and snatched him up. X-Pac fought them all off, though, and then turns around and eats a clothesline from Test. This is literally like a five-on-one match. This is fucking nuts. Uh, Which, you know what, it's good for X-Pac if they were going to try to get him over as the huge babyface that they wanted him to be? I don't know. It's a little bit much that he has to take on five guys in this match, but nevertheless... Shane hits X-Pac with a second rope elbow, similar to the way Bright used to do it. He goes for a top rope elbow, but X-Pac dropkicks the turnbuckle, which crotches Shane on the turnbuckle. X-Pac then nails Shane with a superplex, and he gets a two count before Tess pulls him out of the ring. Tess attempts to spear X-Pac, but he moves, and Tess goes shoulder first into the steel steps. X-Pac then turns the table on Shane and begins whipping Shane with the leather belt, much to the delight of the Philly crowd. X-Pac nails the Bronco Buster on Shane, but Kyoto takes time to check on Shane in the corner. This, of course, allows Tess to slide into the ring and nail X-Pac in the face with the European Championship belt. Shane goes for the cover, and much to my surprise, X-Pac kicks out at two and a half. Shane then goes for a Bronco Buster, but he misses. Tess climbs in the ring, and X-Pac nails him with a spinning kick to the face. He then hits Tess with a Bronco Buster, before we see Triple H and China making their way down to the ringside. Finally, DX has arrived, and it looks like they're going to even up the odds against the corporation. Or are they? So just to be clear, X-Pac nails Shane with the X-Factor as Triple H pulls Test out of the ring. China distracts the ref so there's no cover. Triple H goes in the ring, spins X-Pac around, and for anybody who remembers what he did to Daniel Bryant, that's right, pedigree in the center of the ring. 
He then pulls Shane on top of X-Pac, and lo and behold, Mike Chioda is now ready to count the one, the two, and the three. Your winner, and still European champion, Shane McMahon. But the crowd is fucking shocked. I'll have to admit, as much as I have been critical of how overbooked they did this WrestleMania, this was executed nicely. An hour before this, Triple H in China, or or Triple H, rather, with China, uh, seems to have elevated DX back to a level of prominence. And then just a short hour later, the corporation is stronger than it ever had been and it acquired one of their biggest friggin' rivals in Triple H. This is sh- this is like earth-shattering shocking. And I thought they did a nice job of Triple H turning on his best friend. Also, X-Pac actually did a decent job portraying a, a babyface uh, fighting against all odds. So credit to him on that. I think everybody did their job nicely here, especially after the match. You get Triple H and Test all of a sudden working together, beating the living snot out of X-Pac. His Test, seven feet tall. His Triple H, six foot four. And they're beating up X-Pac like he owes them money. Uh, the Outlaws eventually try to make the save, but then they stop beating up the Outlaws. However... It is at this point that the lights go off. And since we're in Philadelphia, that means Sabu's coming out, right? Sabu, pointing to the lights. Yes? Lights come back on. Sabu in the middle of the ring. Um, no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Uh, but Kane slowly, slowly makes his way down to the ring. And, of course, the corporations scatter by the time he gets there. So Kane then slowly... Slowly, follows them to the back. Good job, you big red retard. Now, uh, one other thing I would like to say about the uh, the Triple H turn is the crowd was legitly stunned. I mean, <laughs> stunned to the point of uh, it reminded me of Brock beating the streak, and obviously that was way more earth-shattering, but you have to understand, Triple H at this point was over AF. He was over. And for him to turn and join the corporation, I don't think anybody saw that coming back then. And speaking of the corporation, they have another fight on their hands. Another fight uh, (laughs) where they're going to try to stack the deck, I guess you could say. It's our next match. It is the first time that WrestleMania will have a Hell in a Cell match. And this time, it's between The Undertaker and The Big Boss Man. Now, this feud started a few months ago as The Undertaker and his Ministry of Darkness have been tormenting the owner of this company, Vince McMahon, uh, doing such spooky things as handing him teddy bears and showing pictures of his home on the big Titantron. Ooh, spooky. All this leads to the soon-to-be debut of one Stephanie McMahon. So, thanks for that. 
Now, I got to be honest with you guys, as decent as the buildup was to the ministry versus the corporation angle, uh, the fact that Taker was fighting Boss Man kind of came out of nowhere. Maybe two or three weeks before WrestleMania, Boss Man attacked Taker with a nightstick. And I understand he's supposed to be Vince's personal bodyguard, but this feud makes no sense. There's lots of other people in the corporation that could fight The Undertaker. I mean, I understand that they were all booked tonight, but I'm just saying, Big Boss Man is not exactly a uh, notable, worthy WrestleMania opponent for the Dead Man. <laughs> and, and you know what? To be honest with you, this match fucking sucked. From beginning to end, it was wicked boring and slow and stupid, and the crowd wasn't into it at all. Granted, maybe partially because of what just happened with Triple H, but it was just... And Taker even gets busted open, so at least there's that, because that was a decent visual. Uh, But the finish comes just nine minutes into this Hell in the Cell match. When Taker nails Bossman with a tombstone for the win. That's it. No no special, you know, ending sequence or anything like that. No. Tombstone, Undertaker wins. After the match, the Undertaker looks to the heavens for a sign. No, not the Vince's gay sign that's in the fourth row. I mean like a sign from the devil himself. Such as vampires descending from the black clouds to take over the world. But that's a silly concept. That could never happen in the WWF. As it was told, as it shall come to pass, the brood descend from the rafters on harnesses and land on the top of the cell. They then break into the cage and toss down to the Undertaker a legit fucking noose. For real. Which Taker is more than happy to wrap around the boss man's big fat neck. Now, once boss man has been tied to the noose, the brood then reattach the harnesses and they fucking leave. They just go floaty back up to the rafters. Which is kind of weird. Because it's a lot harder for them to get down. Than if they just floated down to the floor and walked up the entranceway. Just saying. And then we get a shot of Paul Bear over near the stage area. Frantically pushing a button on a large switch. I'm sorry. I'm surprised that the large switch didn't have an arrow that set up on it. Because that's how comical this whole thing is being portrayed as. The hell in the cell starts to raise. So does the boss man. Night, night, big boss man. This might not be an an actual execution... But it's certainly executing what little career you have left. And to make things worse, listen to this fucking moron on commentary during all this. Can the boss man's feet hung from the cell? The boss man's feet hung from the cell! 
And that is why people hate you, Michael Cole. Bossman's face is turning purple. And you're sitting there screaming, Is it symbolic? Is it symbolic, King? Let's put you up there, Michael Cole. Let's have you get hung. Then we'll ask you if it's symbolic. For fuck's sake. Mercifully, mercifully, it is time for the main event of the evening. The WWF Championship is on the line in a no-DQ match as champion The Rock versus challenger Stone Cold Steve Austin. Also, it seems as if my prayers are being answered. And Michael Cole introduces our play-by-play commentator for the evening, good old Jim Ross. Thank God he's calling the main event. Oh, thank fucking God I don't have to listen to Michael Cole anymore tonight. Now, JR joins the commentary booth. We go to Howard Finkel, who introduces us to the special referee. The owner of the company, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. However, as Vince makes his way down to the ring, we then hear the music of the one and the only WWF commissioner. So what I would like for you to do for me now 
is take that Jack LaLanne physique of yours. Jack LaLanne? <laughs> get the hell out of here and don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. For the record, that makes five WrestleMania main events in a row that HBK had been a part of in some way or shape or fashion. WrestleMania's 11 through 15, HBK was part of the main event in some way. And he stole the show at WrestleMania 10 too, so there's that. I really, really wanted him to superkick Vince, but oh well. Another time for another WrestleMania, I'm sure. Rock comes out first, which is annoying because he's the damn champ, but I'm done beating that horse. We hear the glass shatter, and out comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. The crowd is louder for Austin this year than they were last year, if that's even possible. Rock starts jarring at him during his entrance, and they immediately start going punch for punch. I love it. Back and forth. And Austin tosses him over the guardrail, and they fight into the crowd. They make their way back to ringside, and Rock begins to choke Austin with microphone cables. They fight up the entranceway and brawl all over the side stage areas until Rock backdrops Austin onto the concrete. Ouch. They continue to brawl violently, and Rock hits a suplex to Austin on the concrete. Rock then takes a water bottle from the announce table takes a big gulp, and spits it all over Austin. Jesus Christ. Austin seizes the advantage and tosses Rock onto the table. He climbs the barricade and nails Rock with an elbow, but the table doesn't break. So, let's do it again, Jerry! And Austin hits him with a second elbow, and this time the table breaks. Then, to make things even worse for the Great One, Austin goes over to the other announce table gets that damn water bottle, takes a big gulp, and spits it in Rocky's face, so turnabout is indeed fair play. Austin sends Rock's shoulder first into the steel steps, and then begins stomping a mud hole in the WWF corporate champion for good measure. But after Austin tosses him back in the ring, Rock responds with, out of nowhere, a rock bottom. Rock can only get a near fall as the rattlesnake kicks out. Rock grabs a chair and goes to clock Rock in the face. Sorry. Rock grabs a chair and goes to clock Austin in the face. But he misses and absolutely levels Mike Kyoto. Damn it, that ref has a family. And by the looks of it, he has a concussion now, too. Rock uses this opportunity to pummel Austin's knee with the chair, while another ref checks on Kyoto. He nails Austin with a chair across the face and goes for the cover. The second ref makes the count, but Austin kicks out. It appears that referee is none other than Tim White, who will be handling all of the referee duties going forward. Rock hits a Samoan drop, and again, Austin kicks out. This pisses Rock off to the point where he turns around and beats the hell out of Tim White and hits him with the rock bottom in complete disgust. After nailing Tim White with a rock bottom, he turns around and gets caught with a stunner. But of course, Tim White has just been rock bottomed, so he can't count. But down to the ring runs 
and I mean runs, Earl Hebner. One, two, and Rock barely kicks out before three. We are now on our third referee for the night for this match. If you don't count Vince, since he was told he wasn't allowed to be the ref. And speaking of Vince, out comes Vince to the ring. While Austin grabs another chair. Before Austin can hit Rock with said chair, Rock hits him in the ball bag and Austin goes down. Vince gets in the ring. And Earl tries to get him to leave. So Vince knocks out Earl. Third referee down. These zebras are dropping like flies. Vince and Rock begin to kick the shit out of Austin in the corner. And then out comes Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Returning from his oh-so-brief hospital visit and holding his ribs in the process, Mankind saunters, kinda runs, kinda bounces down to the ring. He nails Vince right in the mouth and tosses him out of the ring. Rock sets up for another rock bottom on Austin and absolutely drills Austin in the center of the ring. Mankind goes down to count, but Rock doesn't even attempt the pinfall. No, 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 no. Instead, Rock goes for the people's elbow. Or the corporate elbow, as it's called in this match. However, Rock misses. And once Austin gets up, Rock goes for another rock bottom. Austin elbows his way out of it. Kicks Rock in the stomach and hits him with a second stunner. And Mick Foley counts the one, the two, and the three, much to the dismay of Vince McMahon. Your winner, and once again, WWF champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mankind hands Austin the belt. And he celebrates in typical Austin fashion with a few beers and a few birds. Austin goes to leave, but stops midway up the aisle. He decides to go back into the ring and celebrate some more. This time, even Earl Hebner is enjoying a few cold ones with Austin. As he climbs the top turnbuckle and is chugging beer and pouring it all over his face. Wow, Earl. That's professionalism unrivaled right there. The whole time Vince, by the way, is beside himself pissed off. And still at ringside, which I find pretty funny. Austin goes to leave, but Vince starts yelling at him as he's at the ringside area. That can't be a good idea, right? The job is done! As you just heard, 
Austin drops Vince's sorry ass with a stunner and then proceeds to pour beer over him as he stands with one foot in the chest of the owner of this company. We go off the air with the Rattlesnake's music playing and the crowd enjoying their blue-collar beer-drinking bad motherfucking champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now this WrestleMania, like I said, had a lot of ups and downs. I really enjoyed the main event. That Rock-Austin rivalry was amazingly good for Chapter 1, as far as WrestleManias go. I even enjoyed Triple H's double-crossing DX. But everything else at this WrestleMania was pretty fucking awful. This is prime Undertaker at this point. This is his peak, and, and you waste him in a match against the big boss, man. Uh, a lot of other things were overbooked and sloppy and just not a good overall night. Uh, match of the night, just for the way they executed it, was Rock and Austin. I thought that was great. I didn't necessarily need f- five referees, but it's fine. The, the Everybody in the arena was was hanging on every move for this match, and that's a tribute to both guys. Now, worst match of the night. So you might think that I would choose the women's title match because it was so bad that the Philly crowd started booing them out of the building. But no, no, I'm not going to blame two barely trained women who were put in that spot, you know, because they weren't the ones who put themselves in that spot. I completely blame the writing team for that. Vince Russo, uh... Vince McMahon. Now, for my worst match of the night, I'm not going to put the women's match in there. It's not their fault that they haven't been trained enough for that spot. Now, see, worst match of the night for me was two vets of this industry. And that's the big boss man and the Undertaker. Not only was it let was it a letdown for an Undertaker match at this point, But you killed the whole mystique of Hell in a Cell because the last two pay-per-view Hell in a Cells were pretty good. And this one fucking sucked. Plus, that ending was all types of awful. And you know that's true because they never show highlights from that match when they show highlights of the streak. Now do they? (sighs) Nevertheless... You guys know me. I love watching old WrestleManias. There's a good chance things get worse before they get better. Because next episode, we'll be discussing WrestleMania 2000. You know, the one where there's a McMahon in every corner. God help me. Follow us on Twitter. At WrestleMania Sal. Follow the flagship, The Rundown, at Rundown Podcast. If you're a fan of horror, check out the Slasher Sanitarium and give them a follow at the Slasher Podcast. And follow our good friends over at the Raw Attitude Podcast. And check out all of our shows on the Rundown feed, including Nitromania, NXT Revisited, Glow Stick, and the Rundown Sit Down. And be sure to listen to the flagship show, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, 
approaching its 350th episode. And from all of us here at Rundown Headquarters, I'll see your ass next time.